Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Carol Masser. On demand via our Bloomberg Radio Plus app. Free for iPhone and Android devices. All right, you've got to dance to the music that's being played when it comes to investing. Let's find out what tune he's dancing to. Vinny Catalano, he is the head of Blue Marble Research, and he joins me in the studio. Vinny, a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Thank you. All Thank right, you. I started off by this whole allusion to Lake Wobegon <laughs> that, you know, all the pe- all the kids are above average, but mm-hmm. uh, you make the point in a recent research note that uh, whether you believe stocks are over or undervalued, mm-hmm. When you look at the S&P 500, you are in territory that is above average. And that certainly seems to be the case today with the S&P 500 closing at 1992. Sure. When you take a look at the history on a price-earnings ratio basis of the S&P 500 over the last number of 30, 40, 50 years, you see a band that the S&P 500 trades on a P.E. basis, which adjusts for price and earnings over a period of time. We are at that upper end of that band now. This information comes from our good friend Sam Stovall over at S&P. And um, that is usually at a point when markets uh, struggle a bit. So, yeah, we made a new record today on light volume in the summertime uh, toward the high end of the range, the top end of the range. It's something that, you know, just uh, the music's playing. You got to dance. You have no choice. Uh, But uh, just be aware of the fact that uh, you are in that upper bound uh, from a valuation point of view. Okay, but there are many ways to represent the march of stock values. Mm -hmm. And you can use a regular scale and you can use a logarithmic scale, Mm -hmm. which then gives you a different impression because obviously as stock prices increase, even small increases are a much lower percentage of the overall move in the stock market. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a more price basis as opposed to price and earnings and valuation and P.E. ratios. Um, But the point is well taken. The bottom line with it is this. Earnings and and where the price of the market sells at is a fluid uh, metric that uh, investors use to determine whether or not the market is fairly over or undervalued. It's an art form as much as it is a science. And uh, and to think that it's strictly a science that, you know, or some rule of thumb is going to work, like the rule of 20, uh, which which takes the price-earnings ratio of 20 and subtracts from that the, uh, you know, the inflation rate, and, and that's the appropriate P-E ratio. Those kind of things are, I don't know, you know, I, I think that they're, they're exercises in silliness. The thing that you want to look at is where are you at relative to earnings? Are earnings going to continue to drive prices up? Are you at the top end of the range, middle or bottom end of the range? Are you getting value for your money at this point in time? And the point being that when you're at the top end of the range, there's there's earnings and price. Earnings have got to drive the P.E. ratio higher in order for there to be you know great value at this particular level. You don't think that there can be an expansion in price to earnings ratio? In other words, mm-hmm. the amount that people are willing to pay for that same dollar of earnings? Yeah, there could be, and then that will put you in unprecedented territory. It'll put you way above, uh, according to Stovall's I mean, will that put you in Facebook territory? 
will that put you in Google territory? Because you've got companies now that are generating sales right. that when you measure that against the income, right. you haven't seen these from industrial companies in right. any historical measure. Yeah, I, I think what you what individual issues are going to have different parameters. They're going to have PE ratios. They're going to have their own bands. What I'm discussing here and I'm describing really deals with the with the broad market itself. And in the broad market in the in the aggregate, on that PE basis that I mentioned from Stovall, on the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio by Robert Schiller, you're at the top end of the range. Uh, other than the tech bubble, only the tech bubble reached in you know a level way above where it is right now. I don't think anybody is you know thinking that we're going to have a repeat of something like that. So that brings you to the point of is the market reasonably fairly fully valued? You'd have to argue yes, uh, and then you'd have to say okay, well what would take it higher? One thing, earnings. So you need what's earnings. your outlook for, for earnings? The expectations are earnings are going to be reasonably good for the second half of this year and going into 2015. This is assuming one big item, which is that there is not, will not be an exogenous event, meaning an unexpected event that comes crashing in and alters everything. And then under those circumstances, then you step into a whole range of other related issues and problems that absolutely nobody is talking about, which is if you get a downturn in terms of the global economy, that that exogenous event brings about lowering earnings, but also lowering the over, the aggregate in terms of uh, GDP growth. Well, where's the government response going to come from? And as I mentioned, being on the program one time before, that whenever I've posed this question to various different well-known, well-educated, knowledgeable economists, their reply is, I don't know. We don't know what the, what the, the government response would be when you have 0% interest rates, uh, um, a, a central bank balance sheets that have exploded to unprecedented levels. And then the last piece is that there's zero appetite for fiscal debt. I'm Pim Fox. This is Taking Stock. I'm speaking with Vinny Catalano of Blue Marble Research. And Vinny, we're talking about the concept of valuation and how this is a highly subjective art. When people open their statements, it is less subjective because they see the number. What are some of the investment uh, areas that you recommend people look at now, given that we're at 1992 on the S&P sure. 500? Keep the focus on the long term. Make sure that whatever the investments you do are the ones that fit within your long-term plan. Uh, my general recommendation outside of that, which is a you know good you know mom and apple pie statement, is, is to focus in on thematic investing which is those trends and themes that will benefit from long-term secular moves of money and other factors. And that's a, that's a great place to be invested in. You catch that way. Examples right. such as what? Healthcare? Uh, healthcare would be one. Aging population in developed countries, uh, gradually improving opportunities for healthcare in developing countries. Uh, another would be infrastructure in both markets, uh, particularly, the as I've mentioned numerous times before, for water resources. Um, water. Water. H2O. H2O, water resource-related companies. You can do this through ETFs. You can do it through individual issues. The way to do this with ETFs and individual issues is make your broad bet with the, with the ETF so you get the exposure and then go and then select if you are smart enough and lucky enough to identify the individual issues within that group that you want to place a couple of side bets in there. But don't put all the money in, you know, it's not recommended to put all of the money in a handful of issues and then hope that you happen to catch, you know, that lightning in the bottle. It's better to make sure that you've 
covered the area. If you're right about the area, you benefit from it. And if you're even more right about the individual issues, well, then then you've hit a home run. Vinny, you spend time traveling around the country, speaking to a variety of audiences about the topic of investments and the macro economy. I'm wondering if you could describe Based on your experience, what are some of the biggest blunders that people make? <laughs> uh, I would have to say that probably the biggest blunder is of what I referenced earlier, which is making sure that whatever your wants and needs are, are matched up to what your portfolio looks like and not get swept away of you know, you know, the, uh, the emotion of the moment. Uh, and, and not get caught up in the fact of, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda those kind of things and, and just really build that portfolio around your needs. And if I may say, not do it on a dollar basis, do it on a percentage basis. Far too many individual investors do way too much investing on an individual dollar basis rather than looking at, let's see, what my ratios are, what my percentage is in different areas and then tilting the portfolio accordingly. Um, perfect example is you buy something, it rides up significantly, you have a nice big fat capital gain in it, but you forget about the percentage of the impact, that, that the percentage of, on the portfolio overall of that particular investment. That is just you know, portfolio management 101, and far too many individual investors do not do that. They fall in love with the issue, and so you know, there's there's a raft of <laughs> there are a raft of errors that that are done, uh, and a lot of this stuff has to do with behavioral finance stuff we've talked about uh, before. Where you you know you need to understand you know who you are and uh, what interesting thing, Pim, about investing, who you are and what you bring to investing shows. It shows up in your investments and your investment decision-making. And if you don't understand yourself and you don't understand your own decision-making and you don't follow good principles, you stand a higher probability of screwing up rather than doing the right thing for yourself. I want to thank you very much for spending time with me, as always. Vinny Catalano, the head of Blue Marble Research. He's way above average. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg Radio. Taking Stock, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, in New York on Bloomberg 1130, in Boston on 1200 AM and 94.5 FM HD2, or on Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 119. Copyright 2014, Bloomberg LP.